engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Gallup, the polling organization, they they step back from polling presidential politics. They wanted to make sure they got it right. They've been tinkering and tweaking their formula. I've got polling from Gallup. It is very interesting polling. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB Atlanta's evening news. If you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Gallup has been polling Americans on their perceptions of the economy since Bill Clinton was president. Uh, they, they didn't do it before then. And the reason they didn't do it before, they, you know, let me let me back up a little bit and give you a, a bit of a polling education, if you will. Um, and I used to design polls when I was a political consultant back in the day. And uh, the way you ask questions is very interesting. And, and the way you talk about issues or poll about issues are interesting. I tend to be dismissive of issue polling. What do you think about X issue? Uh, largely because there are so many ways you can shape the questions. Uh, but it used to be in the past. You can ask voters about a candidate and what they thought of, particularly an elected person, and and their job approval. And the job approval was fairly consistent across the board. The problem arose in the 1990s with Bill Clinton's presidency that there began to be serious polling irregularities in measuring the presidency. What I mean by the polling irregularities is it became very, very wildly fluctuating. Um, It it would be very, very high, very, very low. And and the Gallup polling would go up and down. And it it went up and down so much, so dramatically, the pollsters knew there was a problem in the polling they'd never seen before. Just as right now, we're seeing problems in polling. And a lot of it has to do with uh, people who have mobile phones versus landline phone polling. Those who poll mobile phones tend to do a better job upping the uh, percentage of Hispanic voters tends to do good, although not that much. Polls that oversampled Hispanics, assuming there would be a big wave of Hispanic voters, for example, in 2018 as a rebuke to the president, turned out to be highly inaccurate polling. But the real, one of the major moments of irregularity in polling was the mid-90s. And the Gallup organization found what the problem was. It turned out that people really, really did like the job Bill Clinton was doing as president. But people really, really, really did not like Bill Clinton. See, prior to that, people's like of a president was tied very much to his job approval. If you were to poll people what they thought of Ronald Reagan versus what they thought of Ronald Reagan doing his job, the numbers aligned. Same with George H.W. Bush, but in the post-Cold War era, of American politics as uh, Gen X was moving into polling as, a, as an increasingly dominant force in polling, as the, the World War II generation was, was increasingly shrinking, as were baby boomers to a degree, what you found is that voters were really willing to set aside the connection of a person's personality and character to their job, and so people could bifurcate it. And pollsters began then in the 1990s to ask, uh, what do you think of this president personally? And separately, what do you think of the job? And what they found is that people didn't like Bill Clinton personally. They they thought he was a a womanizer. They didn't like him, Uh, but they liked the job he was doing. They liked the economy. Well, by the end of the 1990s, 
that led to a series of new questions. And one of the new questions that Gallup began asking was how people thought of the economy. Did they think the economy was doing a good job? Did they think the economy wasn't doing a good job? And the reason they asked that, it was a, it was a separate voter model to see if the presidential job approval numbers were accurate because they tended to track. You like the job a president is doing, you tend to like the economy. You like the economy, you tend to think the president's doing a good job. And so Gallup could check itself off of these two questions to make sure things were lining okay. So Galvin's been asking this question since the 1990s, what do you think of the economy? And you go back to the late 1990s, you go to uh, the early 2000s, and you get about 50, 55% of people like the economy. Well, here's an issue. You know how many people like the economy right now? Over 70%. Over 70%. In fact, that's significant because, as I mentioned, the reason I gave you this history is because people have been asking this question of Gallup, or Gallup has been asking this question since uh, the late 90s. And in 2001, remember, in 2000, it registered at about 55%. And the economy then went downhill. And by 2001, it was only 45% of Americans thought the economy was excellent. By 2003, it was only 27% of Americans thought the economy was excellent. Uh, What's so interesting is you get to 2009 when Barack Obama becomes president, and only 5% of Americans think the economy is excellent. 10% of Americans think that uh, they're going to have a good time finding a job. Well, today... 51% of Americans think that the economy is excellent. It is the highest Gallup has recorded since the beginning of the Bush era. So more Americans today think the economy is, is great than at any time during the Bush or the Obama administration. On top of that, 71% of Americans think that now is a good time to find a, a, a quality job. And that's a record high. That Gallup has never, ever, ever tested that before and seen it higher. 71% of Americans think now's a good time to find a good job. Chris Burns of, of Dynamic Money would agree. Uh, 51% of Americans think the economy is excellent. Higher than that has been. It was 45% in 2001, 51% now. Those are really good numbers. Correspondingly, Gallup finds that more than 45% of Americans think the president's doing a good job. It's correlated to his job performance here. If these wins, if these economic good wins continue, the president's going to have a really hard time losing in 2020. It won't so much be the Democrats beat him as he will have done something to cost himself the election if these trend lines continue. These are very, very good numbers we haven't seen before, and they track with what we're actually seeing on the ground, where we have virtual full employment. In fact, uh, there's a story out today that Ford is starting to wind down and lay off jobs in the Midwest. And other employers out there are actually breathing a sigh of relief, thinking this is good. Why? Because they can't find employees. You, you, you haven't seen a situation in the economy in at least 50 years where employers are really, really excited by layoffs because it means they'll have workers applying for jobs because they can't find any workers right now. It's actually, this is an incredible economy right now. We'll see how long it lasts. But uh, that's, that's the big news of the day from Gallup. Really amazing polling. Now, I'm going to pivot somewhat dramatically away from the economy to a story that I want to get to it today and I'm going to force it in this this segment before we, before I go to commercial break. 
And when we come back, uh, Governor Kemp pretty much declaring war on something. Uh, wait till you hear what. You'll you'll be thankful. But Game of Thrones. Let me just get this out of the way. Bear with me. Maybe the last time I'll talk about it. I was very disappointed in the end episode, but here's the thing. One of my frustrations with conservative donors, I know a number of people in the conservative donor space, and there is an idea, it has been around for a very long time, that politics is downstream from culture. You see cultural rot, eventually it shows up in your politics. It doesn't start in politics and go to culture, it starts in culture and goes to politics. Uh, that's why I always say that that President Trump is not a cause of something happening. President Trump is a symptom of something happening in this country. Uh, his election uh, involved a, a culture becoming fed up and, and problemed and, and ultimately led to his election. And you go to conservative donors and they get this. But I'll tell you, one of the, the types of movies that I absolutely hate, and no offense to any of you because I know some of you who are listening are going to be offended by this, but I've said it to your face in many cases, the in-your-face faith movie. You know, you've got to have the older black lady who is blind, who is praying not to Jesus, but to Jesus. And you got to have the the single working mom who is white, who works at Walmart, uh, who you see her in the scene scanning the items in the checkout line and wishing she were somewhere else with her with her five children and no father because the father is on the battlefield in Iraq having a crisis of faith. And you, you've got the elderly blind black lady at home. Just it's got to be about Jesus. And and the show doesn't end until everyone is saved except for the atheist hippie college professor. But the atheist hippie college professor's wife is also saved by Jesus. And oh my gosh, we have a cultural movie that everyone's going to go watch it. We got Kevin Sorbo to star, star in. I just, y'all, I'm sorry, but people are spending their money badly on these things. I don't want to see those movies. I want to see a movie that that actually is complicated, that has a complex plot, um, where if you pay attention to it, the story the story weaves itself through. And ultimately, we got that in Game of Thrones and, and social justice warriors. You will not be surprised to learn. I, while I was disappointed in the series finale, I think it should have stopped where they kill, where, where Jon Snow kills Daenerys, end of scene, end of show, and leave everything else hanging. And I, I, I don't fault them. It's still a great show. I still recommend, would recommend it to friends to, to watch, maybe with VidAngel to cut all the, the stuff out you don't want to see. Uh, but... Social justice warriors are really, really, really upset because it's suddenly dawned on them that you know what the moral of the story was? Fathers matter. Because ultimately, at the end of the series, eight years in, nine years later, eight seasons in, it is the man who raised his children with good values, his children, though he died, wind up triumphant. And they wind up triumphant largely because they absorbed the lessons of their father. And you got social justice warriors out there realizing, oh my gosh, we've been, we've been played. We've watched this thing for, for eight seasons and suddenly it's dads matter, fathers matter. I mean, you got some really outraged people out there today that, that the, the dragon queen whose father was insane and, and whose brother was willing to do assorted things to her and she murdered her brother. She was the hero of the show. No, no, no. It turns out the family with the well-raised kids because the father had principles and values and, and a religion that he wanted his kids to at least appreciate that, that that's actually the moral of the story there. That the fact that there is a moral of the story at all has outraged some on the left. Uh, I just got to say, you you couldn't have written a, a better series arc on family values matter at the end of it. And this really isn't a hot take. I'm actually serious on this. 
Uh, and it wasn't in your face. It wasn't rubbing it in. It, it wasn't old blind lady saying Jesus, and everybody ends with holding hands and saying prayers. It was actually a show a lot of Christians said, oh, don't watch, don't watch. It, it's awful. And there were lots of awful parts to it. But the outrage of the social justice warriors who were finally in on the joke, realizing that, you know what? Dads do matter. And we just had the most popular show in the world emphasize that fact. Don't forget, if you want to come to the resurgent gathering, text the word Atlanta to 345345. We have confirmed Brian Kemp, Tom Scott, uh, Tim Scott, uh, Tom Cotton. Uh, Tom Cotton, by the way, is going to be with me on Thursday on the program, the Center from Arkansas. Uh, we got Doug Collins. I got some audio from Doug Collins I'll play here in a little bit. Um, Jody Heiss, Mark Meadows. Um, J- David Purdue, Ajit Pai, and I, I, we've invited the vice president. I can't tell you he's coming yet though. Um, just that we've invited him until we get all the security stuff dealt with, but nonetheless should be a great time. Uh, and you're not going to hear campaign speeches. If you come, they all have to sit on stage and answer your questions. Uh, the crowd can submit questions. I sort them and weave them into a conversation with them. Uh, again, text the word Atlanta to three, four, five, three, four, five. It's August 1st through the 4th. Uh, uh, right before school starts back, it's here in Atlanta. It'll be at the Grand Hyatt Buckhead. Um, you are more than welcome to attend. Love to have you. Um, he, so, Brian Kemp, he is uh, going to war against Common Core, which is good. There are details about it. I don't have uh, time yet to go into them. If you'll stick around, I want to explain this to you. If you're a parent in particular, you need to understand what he's doing. I will let you know. But in the first, before I get there, is throwing a milkshake at someone a bad thing? If you're a progressive out there, ask yourself your reaction. If a conservative were to throw a milkshake at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, whatever you say, Elizabeth Warren, I bet you wouldn't like it. You, you would think that this was an attack on their person. Well, the progressives are actually trying to defend throwing milkshakes at conservatives right now, particularly in Great Britain. Uh, There are progressives in the United States defending this and urging this practice on here. In Scotland, it's gotten so ridiculous that the police in Edinburgh, Scotland, are asking McDonald's to stop serving milkshakes because progressives are ordering milkshakes and throwing them at conservative politicians uh, over the Brexit matter and other issues. This is this is crazy that you've got actually people saying this is a funny protest, not actually a violent act to throw a milkshake at someone. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. But if you think that if you're involved in situational ethics and you think this is no big deal because you disagree with the politics of the other person, uh, you, we got real problems on our hands and it's intensified. And thankfully, this is mostly a European phenomenon. But to see progressives in this country uh, defending it, who glitter bomb politicians, throw glitter on them and whatnot, just crazy, crazy, almost as crazy as Common Core, which we'll get into when we come back.
The phone number, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. Uh, you know, you can follow me on Instagram if you want, where I typically avoid politics and it's just pictures of cooking and, and photography and stuff. It's E.W. Erickson on Instagram. Same on Twitter. You can follow me there. In fact, if you want to interact with me, you got to follow me because I've got it set that I don't see people's remarks unless they're following me. So uh, it, it really improved the world when I did that. Uh, let's talk about Brian Kim and Comic Core. I, I, I have to tell you, there, I have a level of frustration with a lot of the news outlets in the state covering this issue. Because the reporters who are writing about this, uh, seven out of 10 of them, if not nine out of 10 of them, they don't have kids who are going through Common Core. And so they're taking the PR about Common Core uh, as, as it is described by pro Common Core outlets, and, and they're running with that as gospel truth uh, without paying attention to how Common Core is actually implemented in the state. We sent our kids for the longest time to our church's private school in uh, middle Georgia, and the school implemented the Common Core standards in their curriculum. We left and went to a smaller Christian private school that's a classical education model where in, in fourth through sixth grade they learn Latin, they have a, a the rhetoric and memorization is key in elementary school, uh, heavy analysis in, in the upper school, uh, learning logic skills, argumentation skills, things like that, and traditional educational model. It is a night and day difference. For those of you who don't have kids going through this, uh, I, I want to, to to see if I can try at least to explain to you. And, and again, a, a lot of this is reflected in the media coverage of this. The media it doesn't do a lot of critical thinking on this. They hear, oh, this is, and I can tell you the, the spin from Common Core because you hear it in, in the press report. You read it in the newspaper. The um, Common Core was a, a set of standards together where a companies, a, employers, and others tried to develop a common curriculum across the 50 states where kids could all be on the same page learning academically the same things across state lines, where if one kid moved from state A to state B, the curriculum was not upended due to that move. In the 21st century, we thought this was a good thing or, or some such. It's, it's very, you, you hear that a lot. In practice, that's not it. In practice, that's not Common Core. In practice, Common Core teaches all sorts of things that are convoluted. Math is a prime example. My wife uh, was in for a while engineering school, and in so doing, she, I mean, she has a math background. She helps our, our seventh grader with math. She, my wife has a degree in, in computer programming. And she, in the Common Core system, couldn't help our kids with math. Let me let me read you this. This is how you a, a problem. I put this on on my website, the Resurgent, a while back to give you an idea of this. Subtract thirty eight from three hundred twenty five by counting up. So you would think three hundred twenty five minus thirty eight would give you 287 but no uh here's what you have to do 
And the common core system, this is how they teach you to subtract. I'm not making this up. I'm actually looking at the page from the textbook because I was so outraged by it, I took a picture. Subtract 38 from 325, 325 by counting up, right? The smaller number 38 and count up to 325. Circle each number that you count up to. So you go 38, uh, count up to the nearest 10. So that's plus two gives you 40. And then 40, you count up to the nearest 100. So that gets you up to 60 will get you to 100. 100, count up to the largest possible 100. That gets you, you got to get to 300. So it means 200. 300, count up to the larger number. To You need to go to 325. So it's obviously 300 plus 25 equals 325. So then add the numbers you circled. 2 plus 60 plus 200 plus 25 equals 287. You have just now subtracted by adding. I have a headache explaining this to you. I have a headache explaining this to you. You probably have a headache listening to me talk about this. And that's how my kid needed to learn in, I guess, third grade, fourth grade, her math. It made no sense. I, I had a lady call this program three to four years ago. This call, till the day I die, I will never forget this phone call. Had a mom call, and she was in tears. I, I hope she's listening right now. She was in tears. She works three jobs to keep her family together. The husband is nowhere to be seen. Her mom comes over in the mornings to take care of the kids while she goes to her first job. She helps her kids with homework at night. It's how she connects to her kids and plays a role in their lives during the week when she's off work. And she could no longer figure out math. She, she has a degree in accounting. And she could no longer figure out how to help her kids with their math homework because of the Common Core system, which completely upends math. And she called the school, and the school told her, this was in Atlanta, she called the school, and the school told her that she could come in at night and do a workshop on Common Core math to be able to help her kids. And she was outraged because she works three jobs to keep her family together and put food on the table without taking government benefits. She didn't want the government benefits. She wants to work. She wants her kids to have a work ethic. And now they're telling her to give up more of her day and come in and take a class to teach her how to learn this new system of math. It's a new system of math. Uh, this reminds me of the Incredibles 2 trailer where, where Bob, Mr. Incredible, yells, math is math. How do you change math? Common Core changed math. And if you don't have kids in the system, you don't get it. Uh, I have found in my years that the biggest advocates of Common Core are not the teachers who teach it, but the PR people who are paid to support it. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever encountered anyone who is not paid uh, to, to be a supporter of Common Core. And it deeply frustrates me when I read newspaper reports and listen to people on TV uh, and radio talk about Common Core. They don't have kids in the system. They don't understand it. And they've taken the talking point of, oh, it's just a way to find a uniform academic criteria uh, across state lines so kids moving states in a mobile society are all on the same page and don't have to relearn things. Yeah, that sounds great in theory. In practice, what you have is a system of convoluted nonsense. The English standards aren't terrible, but the math ones are atrocious. Essentially, what they've decided to do through the Common Core system is they want to teach kids every which way to do every sort of math as opposed to the tried and the true because, you know, some kids learn differently from other kids. Okay, so teach them as opposed to the entire class. 
You know what cross multiplication is? You've got 35 over 40 equals blank over 20. So X over 20. And you, you multiply, you cross multiply. You're not allowed to do that in, in the Common Core setting. You can't do cross multiply. One of the, the offensive things they've done is they call that the, the granny system. You see, for example, subtracting 835 minus 451. If you do it the traditional way that you and I learned it, those of you who are listening to me now who are in your 30s and older, if you do it that way, really in your 20s and older, if you do it, if 835 minus 451, okay, 5 minus 1 is 4, uh, 3 minus 5 you can't, so you got to borrow from the 8, so it's 13 minus 5. You can't do that. that. That's the granny system. That's the old way. They, they derisively call it the granny system. Um. And it makes it very difficult for parents to help their kids. I, I know a few teachers who like the system and they've been trained well on it, but they are the exceptions to the rule. My kids' teachers were deeply apologetic for it. I know many more teachers who were deeply frustrated by it. And I know many teachers who got fed up enough that they got to retirement age and they said, you know what, I'm out. I'm done with this crap. And when reporters report on it, they don't report that side of it. They report the talking points. Now, I, I had to explain all of this to you to, so that you understand the real frustration. And the reason I had to explain it to you is because I, I sound like a broken record saying it, but you don't get that from the press reports. You don't get any of the nuances of the problems that people have with Common Core. You get, oh, this is people think it's a one world government conspiracy or, or, or a, an empowerment of the federal government. No, it has nothing to do with it. And I, I know there are some people who complain about it that way, that they feel like this this is a, a, a cryptic plot by corporations to brainwash your kids. I, I do think there's something about making your kid be a good autonomy when you go through the entire Common Core program, what you find is that more and more kids have less and less ability to think for themselves. I'm not actually making that up, by the way. This actually is true. But I have to explain all of this to you because you never get any of this nuance from the press reports written by people who don't have kids going through the system. Uh, we moved our kids to a traditional schooling system where now they actually learn the way you and I learned their math. Our daughter has an A in math for the first time. Our son is able to read and process and understand and reading comprehension are, are great. Learning traditional, the way you and I learned everything. Our kids are now doing it. And it's shocking to me that they were in a system at a very good school where they weren't doing that. And so thankfully, the governor has decided enough is enough of this stuff. He gets it. He understands the problems and he wants to make change. Now, I've run out of time in the segment to tell you what he wants to do. So stick around and I'll tell you. All right. Now, in a nutshell, now that I've, I've given you my dissertation in, in problems on Common Core, and, and I, I totally understand why people think it's a good idea. I, I totally do. I don't think it's some sort of elaborate conspiracy. Um, I think it is, is terribly implemented. Uh, and Brian Kemp wants to walk 
it back. Uh, and the secretary or the, the superintendent of education wants to as well. Now, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida signed an executive order unilaterally getting rid of Common Core in, in schools in Florida, going back to state state set standards as opposed to the Common Core standards that were nationalized. Um, and Brian Kemp wants to do the same here as much as he can. He doesn't have the sorts of powers the governor of Florida has, but is working with the state school superintendent and the state school system in order to do so. And recognizing that one size fits all education uh, should not take precedence over Georgia students being able to do things at Georgia's pace. And frankly, uh, going back to actually having teachers teach as opposed to teaching tests, which is a big difference. Good for him for doing this. When we come back, bleach and autism and things you read on the Internet. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB Atlanta's evening news. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Senator Mitch McConnell has introduced legislation to raise the smoking age to 21. I don't smoke. Never have smoked. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Um, my wife has lung cancer. It's genetic. She's never smoked in her life. Um, neither of us like the smell of cigarette smoke. This is stupid. I, it, why can't the federal government know its place? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm looking at, at what's going on in Washington, D.C. today and wondering, is this the priority in Washington? This is the big issue in Washington. We need to raise the smoking age to 21. Personally, I think they should lower the drinking age to 18. Uh, if, if I, I actually do find, and I have some friends of mine who say they, they flat out aren't persuaded by the argument, but I, I am. If you can, you can exercise your right to vote, you can exercise your right to own a gun, you can exercise uh, your power to join the military and go kill bad guys, uh, you should be able to have a beer. Uh, let alone a cigarette. And I it just, it, this nanny statism from Republicans is deeply, deeply appalling to me. And to see the Senate majority leader spend his time with it is, I think, crazy. Um, it, it makes me wonder what on earth is he doing? What is his strategy here? I, I, I got to imagine there's more to it than that, but I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I need to go to a different story as well. Justin Amish, we talked about it yesterday. There's no reason to spend a ton of time on the story today, except uh, there is a conspiracy theory floating around on the series of tubes known as the internet. And it is... Um, it is that Justin Amish's family owns a company that imports tools from China. And therefore, he is doing the business of China by supporting impeaching the president because the Chinese are upset about the um, tariffs and they want to undermine the president. And so they found one Republican member of Congress to say we need to impeach the president. Y'all, if 
you believe this, if you actually believe this, you need to step away from American politics because you're not sane. This isn't true. Now, there is truth to family business and whatnot, but the idea that that Justin Amish is taking money from the Chinese because you read it on the Internet is crazy. It is absolutely insane that anyone would think this. And yet people are. And, you know, it's one of the frustrations that the number of people who think that I must have been bought off in order to say I would support the president in 2020 as opposed to the other side is crazy and I can't vote for him. Uh, it, it really is. We've reached a point in American politics where people are deeply unserious and they conclude that disagreement means bribery. That I, I disagree with Justin Amish on this. Therefore, he must have been bought off. Who bought him? Oh, the Chinese did it. Seeing conspiracies everywhere. It's becoming, this whole thing is becoming so dangerous, though, and it, it's trickling out of politics into other areas of our lives. We've got to get to this this awful, awful story, but you actually need to hear this awful story. Yes, you do. There are, this this relates actually, believe it or not, directly to measles and to Justin Amish. NBC News has a story about private Facebook groups for parents whose children have autism. And one of the self-help cures is getting your children to drink bleach or better yet to administer bleach enemas to the children to cure autism. There's actually a woman in Georgia who was involved in this. Yes, someone came up with the idea and passed it around private Facebook groups. And you know how this stuff goes. You you, you know how these chain letters go. I, I get them all the time from people. And, and typically it starts out with people who are in their 50s or 60s and eventually translates down into people who are in their 20s and 30s who are believing it because all the old people believe it. So it must be true. Self-help cures. We're going to we're going to cure our child of of autism by putting Clorox up his rectum. That's basically what this amounts to. Because people are reading about it on the internet, they're seeing their friends say it, and someone who's in the group that no one really knows, but everyone assumes everyone else knows, says, oh, I did this and it worked. My child had autism and they don't now. Yes, because they're dead. And it's insane that people do this. But people are believing this stuff on the internet that they're reading. I, you know, I, I I say this about Justin Amish, but I actually had someone send me a screenshot of it on Instagram and said, "This is this isn't true, is it? No, it's not true. No, Justin Amish voted to sanction the Chinese. He, he voted to impose economic sanctions on China. If he has a business where he's importing things from China and the Chinese have bought him off, he wouldn't be putting sanctions on China. But people leave all that stuff out. They, they twist the truth just so. It very much reminds me of, of Scripture where the, the devil is tempting Jesus and he quotes Scripture, but he, he twists it just enough so it loses the meaning. And, and of course, uh, Jesus calls him out on it, but but this is what, what people are doing to each other. They they twist the truth just enough so the, the truth of it is twisted just a little bit, or in some cases, they make it up altogether, like, like they give your child a bleach in them and they'll be cured of autism. It, it 
should go without saying and yet needs to be said even more that you need to be more and more skeptical of the things you read on the Internet. I, I, I've said before, I, I really think that more and more my job is to is to come on the radio in the evenings and tell you guys all the stuff you're reading on the Internet that actually isn't true. Because the number of reporters who are reporting things as well that aren't true. I mean, just take the Common Core story that I spent a little bit of time on last hour. The number of reporters who report on the story and they get the basic facts wrong because they don't actually understand the situation that they're talking about because they don't have kids who are going through it. Or the people in these private Facebook groups where I tell you private Facebook groups are, are one of the dangerous things. I was told a story the other day about somebody who, who has a private Facebook group and just says absolutely insane things in this Facebook group that they would undoubtedly lose their job if it was a public Facebook group where they're saying some of these things. People get into the private Facebook groups. They think they're assured an anonymity because it's private, even though you use your name on Facebook and you say things you would never say in public and people pass things around as if they're true. You get the chain emails all the time for people saying, oh, oh, I did this thing and 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 my friend did this thing and it, it turns out and you follow the chain and you don't know who any of the people are halfway through the chain of emails and it turns out the original person didn't know who it was either. It was just a con artist and oh, sounded good to me. Well, sounds true to me. I'm going to pass it along. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Have we lost our ability to have any skepticism at all in this country anymore? You read a chain email on Facebook that says to put bleach up your child's backside and they'll be cured of autism and you believe it? And you do it, and people are actually doing it. NBC, again, NBC News has, and I realize it's NBC, so maybe it's not, but they're actually, and believe it or not, I did get on the internet and I did actually search to find multiple sources to corroborate that, yes, this is actually happening. These are legitimate news stories and legitimate people who are writing about the story of people in private Facebook groups who are trying so desperately to cure their children of something for which there is no cure. They're doing these things because some anonymous person told them to. And we see this across our lives these days. It's not just this. It's the same with, with vaccines. The number of self-styled experts who don't believe anything anymore, and so they believe the people on the Internet who say, oh, you don't need to get your children the, the measles vaccine. Just, just let them get the measles. Never mind the, the potential for brain injury and whatnot from it. The anti-vaccine skeptics. The political skeptics are the people who are, are peddling in, in Russian fear-mongering. The, Russia has an entire operation dedicated to pushing this stuff on gullible Americans. And my Lord, this country has gotten so gullible it believes this sort of stuff. You know, the reason we're at this point in this country is because so many people have for so long been emotionally, not logically, not factually, not not thoughtfully, but emotionally invested in the idea that there is no truth and morals are relative. You can't actually convince an entire society of all of the nonsense that this society now believes if you don't first convince them that there is no such thing as truth. You can have your truth, I can have my truth, but there is no the truth. And, and you can't push this over on a society that believes there is a real right and a real wrong. Everything is, is relative. But we've become a society where you have your truth, I have my truth. There is no such thing as the truth. And instead of thinking things, you feel things. Oh, I feel X, Y, and Z as opposed to I think X, Y, and Z. I don't care what you feel. Tell me what you think. And right now, a lot of people aren't doing thinking. They're letting anonymous trolls and private Facebook groups do the thinking for them, and they're hurting their kids and themselves. And the American society as a whole, particularly in our political process, where people believe the crap they read on the Internet, that's not even true about the president and everyone else.
So when we come back, uh, Alabama and adoption, Georgia and abortion, you got protesters at the state capitol there. They're saying something at our Georgia state capitol today you need to know is factually not true. I know you're shocked protesters saying something that's not true, but you better come back so I can tell you what's not true. I got to play this audio from that idiot in Congress. Um, (laughs) I tell you, even the Democrat, it's refreshing to me because it's one of those things, you know, Democrats and Republicans alike, they tell you things in private that they don't necessarily tell in public. And it's one of the frustrations, like with Justin Amish and, and he wants to impeach the president. Do you know how many Republicans in Congress are privately saying exactly what he's saying? I mean, I, I talk to these people all the time, but they're not going to say it in public. They don't think people are ready for it yet. They personally wish the president would go away, but they're not actually going to say that publicly yet. But this... Maisie Hirono idiot from Hawaii. Just just listen to this. I just met eighth grader from a public school in Hawaii. And I told them I was you, you know, just because you're you're hearing the protest behind her, she's saying she just told a bunch of eighth graders in Hawaii. To a rally in front of the Supreme Court and they said why? And I said it's because we are we have to fight for abortion rights, and they knew all about it. And I asked the girls in that group of eighth graders, how many of you girls think that government should be telling us women when and if we want to have babies? Not a single one of them raised their hands. And then the boys who were there among the 60, I said, you know, it's kind of hard for a woman to get pregnant without you guys. How many of you they got it. How many of you boys think it's government should be telling girls and women when and if we're going to have babies and not a single one of them raised you know, if you asked a bunch of pro-life kids, um, how many of you think the government should tell you when and if to have kids, none of them would raise their hands either. This this woman's an idiot telling 60, 68th graders that she's going to defend their abortion rights. <laughs> Oh, God, help them. So, you know, we've got these protests. They they had them at the state capitol today. Angry feminists in comfortable shoes were on the steps of the state capitol today chanting, we're women, we will stop you. We're women, we will stop you. Uh, waiting for Daenerys Targaryen to fly out of the clouds and burn down the state capitol, I guess. Um, so the, the, these angry feminists in comfortable shoes at the state capitol protesting over abortion that they're going to vote all these Republicans out of office. No, they're not. Even the New York Times is running stories now saying the Democrats have overplayed their hands on abortion. The New York Times. The, the New York Times is not running stories about Republicans overplaying their hands by passing laws in pro-life states uh, restricting abortion. But it turns out polling of independents show most independents are... Wait, 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 wait for it. Most independents are in favor of of restrictions on abortion rights. Now, neither side here, the the abortion rights side or or the pro-life side, uh, really capture the public sentiment. Both are in corners. The pro-life side wants an absolute prohibition on abortion. You betcha. Uh, The abortion rights side wants infanticide. Yes, they do. You can't deny it. They do. 
most Americans favor pretty free reign on abortion in the first trimester. And by the way, the, the whole idea of trimester is a, a scientifically illiterate argument from the Supreme that the Supreme Court adopted when all those white guys said abortion was legal. It's always it's always liberal white guys who like abortion because they think they can get away with it without consequence. Got the guy on TV who who is is a huge proponent of abortion rights. Turns out he got his girlfriend pregnant while he was married and demanded she have an abortion. Wasn't going to recognize the child. Um, it, it, you hear these stories all the time. It's always the, the 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 rich white predators who support abortion rights because they want to get away without the consequence of having to deal with with taking care of a child or paying to t- someone else to take care of a child. Nonetheless, I digress. All these people think they're going to vote Republicans out of office. More Americans, when push comes to shove, if you're forced to take a position on do you want more restrictions on abortion or less restrictions on abortions, most Americans, not most Republicans, not most conservatives, not most men, not most women, most Americans want more restrictions. And by the way, most Americans want prohibitions on late-term abortions. So much so that NPR, National Public Radio, is now instructing their reporters to stop talking about late-term abortion, to use other terminology. Also, National Public Radio telling their reporters to stop talking about babies. It's always a fetus. Don't say unborn child. Don't use the language of the pro-life movement. Say fetus. Now, I, you know, I have two kids. I have never, when my wife went to the doctor when she was pregnant, I went to all the visits with her, and I never once heard the doctor talk about the fetus. He always talked about the baby. And yet National Public Radio is telling its reporters, don't talk about the baby, talk about the fetus. Because to talk about the baby is to rewrite the language in favor of pro-lifers. Well, of course, they're anti-life at National Public Radio. That's just what we're dealing with with the left these days. But it is flat out not true to say that the left is going to beat Republicans on the abortion issue because, in fact, most Americans are pro-life. And it infuriates the left when you point it out, even though it's true. So... Okay, I got to move on from that because I could talk all night about this, and, and this is this is not the abortion show, even though it's been in the news. But man, the the left just makes this stuff up. And of course, you know, most reporters, they kind of like the Common Core situation. Most reporters are in favor of abortion rights, and so they report it uh, in the way most favorable to abortion rights activists. And they don't fail to they they do fail to capture the nuance of the situation where most Americans actually are in favor of restrictions on abortion. Um, it's just, you know, even Planned Parenthood though, even Planned Parenthood refers to children in utero as babies. It's only national public radio telling people not to crazy. All right. Now, uh, oh, do I have time? Yeah, I got, I got to play this clip from Doug Collins, Congressman Doug Collins from Georgia. He'll be at the resurgent gathering. Text the word Atlanta to three, four, five, three, four, five. If you want to come see Doug Collins at the resurgent gathering, listen to him. A closed door conversation would not have generated those headlines and everything that we're looking at today, even gaveling in today's hearing without a witness is theatrical. The cameras love a spectacle and with majority loves the chance to rant against the administration. I just am glad today to see that we don't have chicken on the dice. The chairman orchestrated today's confrontation when he could have avoided it because he's more interested in the fight than fact-finding. Take the Mueller report, which we've already heard quoted from. More than 99% of the Justice Department has offered to the chairman for an entire month. The chairman has refused to take a look at it. Yep. 
uh, Doug Collins uh, making Democrats very mad today by pointing out their theatrics. Uh, the president's former lawyer, Don McGahn, did not go to Congress to testify today. The president told him not to. Well-settled principle in American law that the president's advisors cannot be compelled to go to Congress, talk about the conversations uh, they had with the president or about the president with other people while serving the president. Uh, the last time they did this, that idiot from Memphis, uh, Congressman, what, Steve Cohen or whatever, brought a bucket of fried chicken and ate it at the DS as, as a way to to protest that members of the Republican Party were chicken on this issue. Uh, Collins is having none of it. And the Democrats, of course, are putting a target on his back, wanting to try to defeat him in 2020. And they can't because his district is solidly Republican. And that makes the Democrats even more mad. Uh, so let me play part of this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez clip. We, we don't have enough time to play all of this, but you got to listen to this. Oh, this woman. So that's really how you do it right. That is such a core component of the Green New Deal is having all of these projects make sense in a cultural context. And it's an area that I and we get the most pushback on um, because people say, like, why do you need to do that? That's too hard. But when you really think about it, when someone says that it's too hard to do a green space that grows yucca instead of, I don't know, cauliflower. Oh, my goodness. This woman, she's just a gift that keeps on giving. Now, when we come back, well, I guess we're not. It's the 6 p.m. nonstop news feed now.